Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Welcome to the podcast, conscience that made us, interviews and stories, tales from the bus, we love taking you back to when it all went down, the greatest live shows and that cheering crowd sound, it's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. Hey, this is Gaz, and you're listening to Concerts That Made Us. This is my new track called Slow Down. Turn off the noise for me, rewind. Make the music better. Slow down the world for me sometimes. It's turning quicker. Cut back the daily news, my mind. Not that clever Shut down my daily feed Cause I'm a social quitter Slow down Peel your brain Slow down Until there's no more pain Slow down Sweet champagne Slow Running in the fast lane Walk down an empty street to find It feels much fuller Madman who lost his mind Be kind Look in your mirror Wide awake but I'm asleep Reminds Rest is better Slow down the afterburn Go blind Until you see the future
Gaz, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Thank you so much. Good evening from South Africa, Johannesburg. Brian, uh, lovely to be on your show, and I am absolutely stoked to be speaking to you about my new single called Slow Down. Yes, yes, I am absolutely excited to speak about it with you. You released it on the 28th of July. Holy crap, what a banger. I must say now, I could hear a slight similarity with Ghost in the vocals, but what can you tell us about it? Well, I tell you what, we um, we we started this um, this track out really slow, and you would have picked up on that. It, I, I love all the um, the achy kind of heartbreaky type of sounds, and we 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 just got into it really really slowly. We, excuse the pun, um, but the song it, it, it sort of built up to a point where it, it needed something, and uh, my producer Mark Billing. Um, he's a he's a South African musician and a South African Music Association award-winning producer. He said, "Right, we're going up now," and he just took it to the next level. And he kept going, and he kept going, and he kept going, and it, it, it just—I don't know—it's just—it's just turned into an absolute banger. And it was actually conceived as a soft song. Nice, nice, and I've. I've read somewhere that at one stage you were getting a bit worried that the song was getting a bit too big for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it comes a moment where the song grows to a point where, and hopefully the listeners read into this as the song picks up. And I was just, I had that hesitation of, can I pull this off? Can I actually do justice to this track? And and that was the moment of doubt. And um, yeah, thank God we, uh, we 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 carried on. Uh, you know, I took a couple of deep breaths. Mark Billing pushed the hell out of me, and um, and and we got it out. Um, so yeah, it was a very very strange moment in my career to get to a point where I, I thought this track was. I almost thought about handing it on to someone else who 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 could do it in my head. And then we just did it and nailed it. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy we got that right. Right, right. And where does the inspiration for the track come from? You know, what's the story behind it? Brian, the story is about um, getting out of the fast lane of our modern lives, about slowing down, reconnecting with yourself, you know, and um, trying to turn off distractions like, you know, the, the powerful social medias and the, the news and things like that that distract us and about resetting yourself and resetting your mind, re rediscovering yourself and remembering who you are and, and, and who you were. Um, and, and ultimately about saving yourself from yourself, if that makes any sense. Um, because yeah, we could all, we all run very, very busy lives. But when we slow down uh, just for a couple of minutes or a couple of days or a week on holiday, you start feeling normal again, man. You know, you start feeling like a human being. You start connecting with yourself. And and that's where it all stems to. The recording process then, what was that like? I hear the vocals were done in just seven hours. Uh, the whole track was done in seven hours, Brian. We... Um, I went to I went down to Mark Billings uh, Studios 
one afternoon about uh, I think it was just after one o'clock in the afternoon and we were done by seven and um my way of writing music is is probably very different to a lot of artists. I, I go on and melodies in my head, then I start writing. And I'm, I'm one of those guys who has to come running out of the shower to send myself a, a voice note, man. You know, it's a hang on, I've got a bass line here. Or I've got a melody. And I then I, I sort of write the whole song in my head and I sing it in my head as I write it. And the first time I actually vocalize the track is in the studio um not even myself has heard myself sing it um so what what comes out is very raw and very uh fresh and um and the production process with mark billing is is very honest um we allow each other space to to go where we want to go and um that keeps it an original. It keeps it uh, quite exciting in the studio as well because you don't know what's next. Nothing's rehearsed. And we just let the lid of it. We just let it run. And um, so I, I really enjoyed the studio process. It, it, it was a long session, but we got it all out in one go. And um, I hate to tell this to your, to your listeners, but I actually had bronchitis at the time I sang the song. No way. And I actually, yeah, I did. And um, I, I think a little bit of the fatigue is in the early part of the voice, but it works um, for that part of the soft side of the song. And then, the, you know, the rest of it, we, we just managed to get through. Um, but in the one session, and it, it felt real enough to just keep the original vocals, um, aside from a little bit of production and tweaks, which you always have to do. Yeah, that's that's quite the achievement now singing with bronchitis, especially when you hear the track, you know. Oh man. <laughs> exactly. Well, there you go. We we we've I think we did all right. We 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 pulled it off and that's a good sign of a good producer, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of which, what was it like trying to find the right producer and how did you end up working with Mark Belling? So Mark and I go back um, some years. I, 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 I never knew Mark. I knew of him when he was a famous South African musician, uh, which he is. He's the South African Music Association uh, winning artist as well as producer. So he was the easy go-to guy in my mind because our kids were playing football together and I was be, I'd be standing at the side of the field with him talking junk about music and what he was doing and what I was doing. And I approached him one day and I said, you know, Mark, let's um, let's get a track going. And he kind of looked me up and down and said, yeah, okay, guys, I think you've got a, maybe a couple of weeks left in you. Let's see what we can do with you, you know. And, uh, you know, from there, the first track was born and we, you know, we've grown this solo album up to, this is the eighth track now, Slow Down is the eighth track. So the answer is I've, I've, I've known Mark for some time and he was the easy go-to guy. And he's, I think he's just so damn good. It was the easy choice. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you enjoyed great success as the front man of Crush back in the 90s, but then you took a break from music. What led to you taking the break? And then to to fast forward, why did 2020 feel like the right time to reemerge? Excellent question. So I'd been running on the stage in South Africa and doing the, you know, the major circuits um in south africa um of all of our venues and we we won our local battle of the bands and we and we, and we got a few tracks out and we got some success in the charts and uh, it was at that time i decided 
to move back to the UK. You know, I'm originally from Newcastle upon Tyne and um, went back to the UK for five years, came back to South Africa. And there was this dormancy. There was this, um, where I was just not disconnected with music in terms of listening to it, but I wasn't getting the flow of writing it. And at the same time, I took on more of a, a business role in the company and all the rest and got on with life. And then it it kind of hit me at the at, at the time of COVID. I was you know sort of sitting watching these guys playing to their their cell phones in their bedrooms and their sheds and garages, and um, I really got stimulated by that. By thinking, you know what, if these guys can you know play to their their mobile phones, then I can surely start writing again. And had a bit of time, so I started. And I, I think the the real impetus is when you've had such a long break from music, which I've had, that um, that coil, that spring just pulls back so hard that when the tap opens, it goes. And and the songs are just coming and absolutely loving it, yeah. You know, you mentioned the track is off your upcoming album. At this stage, what can you tell us? What can we expect? I think that, I, I think the album is a, is for me it's it it's um i've grown up i've matured and it's 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 a very mature approach to to music um in my opinion and i'm trying to leave a message in every song um and it'll be something about you know the world or us or humans or the situations of the world or you know th these are kind of where my feelings are at the moment i think a lot of people so I i'm trying to connect at that level and um, a lot of my writing is about that. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to connect with people. I'm trying to make them listen and uh, and deliver a message. So I hope that every every track on the album is a chapter for people that resonates with someone um, that is either feeling or seeing or going through something that we all are. Um, and as long as there's one track for everyone, I, th I think we've done a good job. Right, right. And before we move on now, I have to ask, if the album takes off, are you fully prepared to jump back to where you were in the 90s and just go on the road and tour it? Um, I think it's it's going to have to be, although the, the album is about absolute honesty and, and in its delivery and everything, I have to say that I would love to hit the road and get the album out and... And go and tour the album, um, but like anyone in life these days, it's it, it's got to pay the bills, right? You know, I'm uh, I'm coming from a low base. Uh, I have to be honest about that, and I have to be real about that. I'm kind of regrowing myself, so I think there's a, if there's enough in it, we'll take the time to 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 do it and do it properly. Um, I'm not a sign artist. I've got no financial backing. It all comes from the from the love of music and and getting the tracks out. So I hate to say it, and I hate to say it to the you know um, to to the listeners and yourself. It will actually probably be a financial decision, and I would probably take a balanced road. Would be my answer. Where I would you know probably have to work and then and then hit the road for a little bit and get it out. But um, the true passion is in the music. It's not in the corporate world, mate. <laughs> It's good to hear. It's good to hear. Now we'll uh, we'll dive into your early influences to give the listeners a sense of where you come from. So if you can, can you remember your earliest musical memory? My very 
earliest musical memory, um, I'd be sitting with my granddad in Newcastle upon time before we moved to New uh, to to South Africa, and uh, he'd be playing his records. He'd, be, he'd probably be playing something like James Last or or or, or that kind of thing, and. Moving to South Africa, if I think about the heaps of albums and LPs that I was exposed to from my mom and dad, anywhere from Bread to Chicago to ACDC to you, you name it, whatever was next got played. And I think that plays a very big role in my ear and my in my musical brain that I'm not one genre. I come from a, you know, a long line of like all of us, I guess, but you know, I listen to music and absorb it and I will use every component of it that I've learned along the way to, um, to deliver at any point, even in the modern day. Um, so, you know, my true love of, you know, when I get into music myself, I, I, I love placebo. I love Pearl Jam. I love, I love live. I'll you know take me into the Coldplay space. I absolutely love Depeche Mode's old tracks, even some of their new. So very, very diverse. I think in my listening, um, and this is what creates us, you know. And that's what we draw on. I'm not saying I'm trying to sound like any of them, but we're really trying to do our own thing. Um, but from early memories, absolutely anything that sounded good, I'd be listening to it. And, you know, what was the point or what happened that made you realize you wanted to be a musician? Sure. Um, I think, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to try and be humble about this, but um, you get up on stage a few times and you, you, you record a little bit and or you're a little bit younger and you're working in choirs or you're auditioning for our South African National uh, Drakensberg Boys Choir, whatever. I, I've always had an, a vocal ability, and and people haven't been scared to say, you know, guys or Gary, um, you got a voice, mate, and you should look at using it. And that connected with a passion is always going to lead to you wanting to do music uh, and sing and write. So. If that answers your question, it's I think the ability to deliver is is very important. Um, and I enjoy it. I'm in my absolute universal space when I'm in music. So um why not? Why not go with it? Yeah, yeah, true. Now this is a very interesting one. Moving to South Africa from Newcastle. How do you think it kind of affected the music you were exposed to or the music you were into? Excellent question. Um, because a lot of South African music in and around the time of coming into South Africa from the late 70s until at least the, the early 90s, um, a lot of um, people will recall that South Africa went into... Um, it went into the, it was in the apartheid era of South Africa. There's no getting away with it. And there were a lot of sanctions around South Africa at the time. And we, we stopped getting Coca-Cola. We stopped getting mainstream media. We, we stopped getting um, great records of the world. Um, but the few people that traveled um, hid them or brought them in. And 
and we get to hear those, you know, we get to hear those at parties or we get to hear them here and there. Um, so the local scene became very strong, although it was highly censored. Um, so I would say my musical influence was masked in terms of the rest of the world. Um, and this is why I had all those LPs on repeat. You know, whatever was there, you played. Um, because you just weren't exposed to um, too much of the world. And then, boom, it all opened up and we all went mad in the 90s. Um, so yeah, that definitely um, shaped a lot of, I think, South Africans um, over the years. That said, the local South African scene was really, really big. And we have some very strong local artists. I'm actually, um, I hate to tell you this, I'm actually out of the gig right now. It's not the reason we had a struggle right. on the call. <laughs> but I'm sitting, um, uh, I'm, I'm sitting in the back room of a pub here, and I've got one of my best mates on 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 stage at the minute, who's who, who's just released an album as well. The South African music scene is very strong now, and it always has been, but it's been an underground scene that has never got out, and we just never got a lot in. This is the perfect question, so since you're actually at a gig right now, as a concert goer, what concerts do you think have made you? I tell you who we've had over the last 10 to 15 years that has absolutely blown me away. Um, we, we've had live and Ed Kowalski here a couple of times, and I absolutely love the band live. Um, they put on such a big gig. We've had you uh, 2 here on our, uh, on the 360 tour um, some years back at 110,000 First National Bank Stadium. Uh, we've had Coldplay. We've had UB40 in the past. Um, we've had Bon Jovi and and, and these kind of, uh, we, we don't get too many tours down here compared to Europe and the US. So I, I would say these are the kind of bands that shape, um, that, that shape our scene, um, you know, because you get such limited exposure in terms of the context of the world, you get so many people going and those bands succeed. So, so those are the kind of bands that have, that have shaped me. We've certainly had the ACDCs and we've certainly had the Queens at Sun City as well. Um, there's my answer. Those are the kind of bands that's, that, that, we, that we go out to see that shape us. Right, right. Not too bad. A very good selection there. And, you know, for any listeners that haven't caught one of your shows, what can they expect? Well, to be frank, um, until I finish the album, I'm not gigging. All right. Um, uh, the full focus is on getting the getting the album done before the end of the year and then getting into um, rehearsals, pulling a band together again, remembering I'm a solo, al a solo artist at this stage. And uh, I think people when we do get to put the show on and when they do listen to the solo album, um, I would hesitate to say they will have a better experience, frankly, than the recorded album in a strange way, because I don't know why, but a lot of people say I am much better live than I am on a recording. So they can look forward to that. Years ago, when you were touring and everything, is there a gig experience that you had that you would say was the best that you maybe relive over and over again in your head? I would, I would say 100%, um, probably the, the Roxy Rhythm Bar, 1998, playing with 
Springbok, New Girls, Squill, Arapaho, Amersham, Sons of Trout, some really big South African bands. And we were thrown into the mix of that. And it was absolutely epic. I, I dream of getting back to those kind of scenes. Um, and who knows? But uh, the, the, that's probably the best night of music and sound I've ever had around me in my life. It was epic. Sounds like quite the experience. and. Now, if you can remember, I always ask just to give a bit of a, a dichotomy. What's the worst gig experience you've had and how did you deal with it? The worst gig? Um, our bassist got, uh, he, he got in big trouble with a five litre box of wine with his girlfriend. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was one of those big gigs and it just didn't go well. I'll stop there. Right, right. I get you. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You know, back in those days, it was quite a wild time, especially if you were a musician touring, playing gigs. What kind of antics did you get up to? Any wild stories you can share? Wild stories. I think it's not wild, but it is definitely something that is top of mind when we came out with, um, back in the days of, of, of Crush, the four-piece band, we, we, we recorded a, um, a track that got onto the modern rock chart with a very big DJ in South Africa called uh, Barney Simon. And he was running something called the modern rock chart. And we just recorded a track, a home studio track. Um, and it was uh, it was recorded at home and the parrot was in it and the and the and the family dog was in it. And we rushed through to um, Johannesburg to the studios within Auckland Park and we handed over the CD to him with our our song called Upside Down World. And it, as we left, five minutes later, he started playing it, right? And um, that honestly is probably the wildest experience. If you think about the digital world now and how we send each other tracks and you listen to music, we drove 50 kilometers to deliver a CD. And 10 minutes later, we were driving home and it was on air. And that just absolutely still blows my mind. I could imagine that would really blow you away. Oh, man. And, you know, nowadays, I know you're, you're starting off, you're doing the album, but how will you measure success when it comes to your music? Self-satisfaction, Brian. Um, it's not going to be, it's, it's, it's not going to be about the, the likes and the thumbs up and the loves and the sharing. It's going to be about completion. It's going to be about a challenge to myself to do this. Um, Tick in a big box, uh, probably from the age of a very young man, saying, you know, one day I will do an album. And I'm on that path. And there needn't be any accolade at the end of this, other than single by single or whatever it is, that we managed to entertain a few people, that we leave some kind of legacy, that there's some memory, and that the songs are good. And this is why we're not rushing. 
Nice. I like it. I like it. And before we dive into the the last couple of questions, then, what's your plans for the rest of the year? When exactly do you expect the album to be out? When do you expect to be playing live? So, in my estimation, and the taps are open, um, I'm receiving a lot of music from God at the moment. And it's coming so quickly at the moment that uh, I probably can't record it quick enough. But I'd love to be done by the end of the year, let's be honest. And I do believe that we'll probably ended up recording 14 tracks, but only 10 or 11 will have made it by by the end because of the way the album is shaping out. So I I don't want to rush that and commit to a stage until until it's fully done. But that would be the plan. The plan would be to to finish up, um, to, to make sure the album's got structure, and then um, you know let's get a let's get a promoter behind it and let's get some events set up and um, let's see where it goes. Let's see who wants us. And uh, you know if we've got to play in Southern Ireland, I'll come and see you. <laughs> Brilliant! I look forward <laughs> to that. I I actually get a sense that when you finish the album, you're going to have enough material ready to go for album number two. Quite possibly, but I don't know if I want the duration of another solo of, of another album. Um, I I think I would probably concentrate more on the singles, the way that music world is going on at the minute. Um, I, I think a, an album is a, it's somewhat of a selfish thing, um, potentially uh, these days, because it's, it's not entirely necessary. The, you know, the world and the music world is all about singles. You know, it's uh, conscious that made us, but yeah, there's singles that made us as well. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so this could be one of them um, being slowed down, but, you know, come the end of the album, that's just a big tick in my box. And then I think it's about delivery of one at a time. You know, that seems to be the way to go nowadays as well, staggering the releases and just constantly keeping something out there to keep people's attention. I have to say so. And, um, you know, if I look at the music cycle at the minute, it's you're probably looking at about three months. I think if you're going to make something from the heart and make it good, promote it well, have it well-written and well-produced, that, that's kind of the cycle. So, and that's fine with me, right? Um, I, I'm quite happy at that pace. I'm not, I'm not chasing anything, if you're with me. I'm, I, I just want to put one good track out at a time. And, you know, if it, if it, if it takes four months, so be it. If it takes two seconds, that's fine as well. So let's just see how it unfolds because, um, you know, the first song we wrote together was three hours, um, but the hardest song I've ever written, frankly, is Slow Down. It, it took me ages. Um, I, I just had to have the right words. It was not about the music. It had to be lyrically strong. Um, so you just got to give it the breathing space to make sure that you're happy because no one wants to put something out and say, ah, oh, well, we just did it and we did it in a rush. We, we, we did it and we meant it and it was the best we had is much more powerful and much easier to live with. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Right, we'll, uh, we'll dive into the last couple. 
They're random, but I'm interested to see your answers. If you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only, who would it be? I probably would go with, and it's going to sound interesting to you, I would probably go to a David Bowie concert. I've never seen him. I've never seen Bowie. I've never seen the night. And I... I just 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 have absolutely grown up loving the styles, sounds, changes that Bowie took us all through. Um, so I think for me, I'd, I'd probably go Bowie. Can't argue with that. That would be one hell of a night. And the next one, so it's a bit odd. If you had to spend 24 hours locked in a room with any musician from history, who would it be? I'm flicking all these albums through my head here. Um, hear me. Any artist through history. Do you know what I'd love to do? And it would be absolutely wild. I'd probably sit in that padded cell for 24 hours with Ozzy Osbourne. It would just be right off the charts i would love to see what's really going on in that, that man's head <laughs> that actually would be very interesting yeah yeah let's go ozzy yeah let's go ozzy good one good one and the final one so what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life what song would appear to the soundtrack to my life um i'm gonna say Mad World by Tears for Fears because I actually, if there was any song I, I wished I'd written, it is that. In fact, to a point when you read those lyrics and I wish that I wish I'd written them to the point where I'd actually like to do a, um, a cover of that, but in a rock style, alt rock, I don't think it's been done before, but I, I, I believe the words are absolutely beautiful and and just what it means. It's, uh, you know, it's mad world. And for me, a lot of my writing and thinking comes from that type of space. So that would be my answer there. I know it's a pop song. It doesn't matter. Um, I, I just think those are some of the best lyrics and 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 one of the best songs ever. And I could easily go along to that as a as a lifestyle track. Oh my god! You know, everybody listening to this now is going to be like waiting for the day you release a a rock cover version of that song. It would be epic. <laughs> <laughs> you reckon? Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I think so. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been done by Tears for Fears. Been done by what's his name, um, uh, Gary Jules, wasn't it? Yeah, done about Gary Jules. He did a beautiful rendition, and then more lately, the is it Adam Lambert? Mm. But I'm, I'm thinking more. Uh, I'm thinking something darker, man. I'm thinking something. Yeah, I'm thinking something a little bit more Ed Kowalski. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm thinking, man. All around me, a familiar face here. <laughs> that kind of vibe, man. You know, yeah, get some yeah. out there. Yeah. Be very good. Be very good. Well, I'll be personally looking forward to it anyway. Listen, Gaz, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks a million for jumping on. I I, I have 
really enjoyed myself. I'm sorry I was late for all the troubles of the connections, but to you and your um, your fans and to the concert that made us, thank you for having Gaz on the show. And I really hope you you love the new release called Slow Down. And I hope we can connect again in future soon. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing here? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here.